0: As this episode is posting, today is April 15th, which is the 109th anniversary of the Titanic disaster. I've been absolutely obsessed with the Titanic since I was about three or four years old, and plenty of people have asked me why over the years. So I invited my friend Rob Hart to come on the show so we can compare our personal Titanic stories. This is the greatest story ever podcast. There comes a time when all the cosmic tumblers have clicked into place and the universe opens itself up for a few seconds to show you what's possible. With Keith
1: Conrad. You know, everything is not an anecdote. You have to discriminate. Here's a good idea.
0: Have a point. It makes it so much more interesting
1: for the listener.
0: One person with a whale of a tale to tell is Alexander White from Australia. Alexander and his wife received a bit of a fright when they discovered a rare venomous snake in a bag of supermarket lettuce. It was about 20 centimeters long and appeared to have been sleeping peacefully, in said lettuce in the supermarket's refrigerated grocery cabinet until uh, White decided to pick it up, carried it around the store, and then, you know, the 10-minute bicycle ride home. It, it, it woke the little guy up. It's a good thing they were looking at their salad before they ate it. Uh, just two observations here. First, this verifies what I've long said, that salads will kill you. Uh, you don't hear about snakes hiding in steaks, although that sounds like a future Samuel L. Jackson movie, actually. Second, why would anyone live in Australia? Literally everything is trying to kill you, even the salads.
1: You don't win friends with salad. 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 You don't win friends with salad You don't win friends with salad You don't win friends with salad You don't win friends with salad.
0: Of course you'd already be well aware of Alexander's story if past you had visited my website keithconradmedia.com and signed up for my free email newsletter, the News Sidequest. Every weekday, you'll get a collection of entertaining, heartwarming, and thought-provoking stories, along with my snarky commentary and a few gifts. So present you should do future you a favor and sign up at keithconradmedia.com today. My guest this week is Rob Hart. Thanks so much for joining me again.
1: Uh, A pleasure, as always. You're actually the very first
0: repeat guest in the history of the Greatest Story Ever podcast. Uh, I don't know whether to congratulate you or not.
1: Well, this is uh, certainly a distinction that uh, I have worked my entire life to achieve. And really, there's there's nowhere else to go. Uh, Alexander wept for there were no more lands to conquer.
0: Exactly. And uh, last time we, we talked to you about uh, your experience covering the uh, the Barack Obama election night win in uh, in Grant Park, which was actually a personal story. And, um, you know, today being April, f- April 15th, you know, when this episode uh, actually posts, it's uh, the anniversary of the Titanic disaster. Uh, I, was so- not
1: there. I was not there and I'm not responsible.
0: I, yeah, I was about to say that's that's something we can't share a personal story about, but I think that uh, you are actually probably, uh, if anyone I've ever met, uh, might be the the only person who's more obsessed with the Titanic uh, than I am. So I thought it would be I thought it would be fun to actually talk about uh, how we each ended up with this uh, with this lifelong obsession.
1: Yeah, it's. well, I mean, first off, you find out. It's, it's not something that people necessarily broadcast, um, but I have discovered over the course of my time in broadcasting uh, that there are, you know, several colleagues who are uh, Titanic aficionados. You are one of them. Uh, the are- what I've
0: discovered is people in radio, uh, you know, obviously not universally, but a large chunk of people who work in radio are into uh, aviation and ships.
1: Yes. And I've always assumed the, the radio person obsession with aviation always had to do with like some kind of desire to either press small buttons or flip small switches. And, you know, right. you can scratch that itch either by operating a broadcasting you know radio control board or behind the in the cockpit of an airplane. Um, but on the Titanic side of things, though, I mean, I, I can tell you, our, our, our mutual friend, Chris Duffy, Duffy, formerly of WGN, and then um, my WBBM colleague, Al Rosen, uh, former you know, now retired engineer, turns out uh, he is also a, a big Titanic buff and has a memorabilia collection of his own. So uh, there, there are more of us than you think. I mean, clearly there are a lot of us because the movie about the Titanic is still one of the most successful movies of all time. So this clearly, even now, 109 years later, this story has resonance for a lot of people.
0: And if it uh, if it was just Leonardo DiCaprio that led to the success of the Titanic, then I think uh, his other movies would have surpassed it. So that's uh, so well, I mean, what I thing
1: really is that we, we always, I think we've talked about this before, where um, you know, this, this movie comes out in, in 1997, late 97, and then is a phenomenon all the way until April of 1998. I mean, there's, there's, there has not been a movie with the legs of Titanic, I think, since then. I mean, you, you have like these Marvel movies that are hugely successful for a weekend or two, but Titanic was lasted half a year. I mean, there, you cannot find a media phenomenon like that anymore. Um, It
0: wasn't, uh, you know, it obviously wasn't number one or anything like that, but uh, I remember it was, it was literally in theaters close to a year after it was released. Like, you know, it it was it was big in theaters for six months, but it was literally actually still playing in theaters almost a year after it was released.
1: But the funny thing was, like, as a, as a Titanic history buff, even then, you know, as a senior in high school, you know, I wanted to see it multiple times. But it's like you and a bunch of weepy 13 year olds. <laughs> it's like, no, I'm not. I mean, the love story is nice, but I, I want to see the grand staircase and I want to see the 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 dining saloon and i want to see you know the the titanic as probably as accurately as it will ever be depicted on the big screen that's what i want to see like right. even, even when the celine dion video would, when that was on mtv almost you know ad in mm-hmm. item uh in in throughout 1998 You know, you I would always like I want to watch this, but not because of the song, which, of course, was everywhere, but because they had all these, you know, special effects shots of the ship. So, I I mean, I wanted to be separate and distinct from from the people who were there for the soap opera. Like I, I wanted to see the boiler room. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think, uh, you know, we were both, you know, high school age when it came out. And I think to, to me, there was at least a, a slight uh, hint of annoyance on at least on my part that, uh, you know, everybody was sort of hopping on the Titanic uh, ship bandwagon. And I was like, I've been here the whole
1: time. Well, I mean, I mean, but again, if, if this is what gets you into the story and if this, you know, makes you interested in the history around the ship and the history of that particular era, um, if it's, you know, the, the, you know the, a, a, a tiger beat desire to see Leonardo right. DiCaprio, if that gets you in, welcome to, the, welcome to the party. I mean, the funny thing is, uh, my sister was uh, 12 years old at the time, and I think she saw Titanic 10 times. And again, because of the love story. But a couple of years later, uh, my brother was invited to a Titanic-themed dinner party at the home of a well-to-do friend in Milwaukee, and everybody had to dress up as a particular character or a a passenger or a crew member on the ship. And my brother and his wife, they were Sir Cosmo and Lady Duff Gordon. Nice. Between my knowledge of the of the actual sinking and the people involved, and my sister's knowledge gleaned from seeing Titanic twenty times in the theater in nineteen ninety eight, uh, we made sure they were very prepared for this dinner party. And um, <laughs> I, I was actually told to stop texting them because I think the quote was "You're becoming insufferable."
0: <laughs> oh, that's awesome! So, so going back, uh, you know. Further uh, into the past, uh, you know, uh, for me, uh, I remember that my dad probably sometime around, I I guess it would have been 1986, um, brought home a, a VHS copy of the documentary Secrets of the Titanic. Yeah, yeah. And, and that was when I was hooked. And a funny story, uh, years later I was uh, working on a on a, a morning show and uh, Martin Sheen came in for an interview. And uh, he and I were just kind of chatting in the uh, in the control room before he went on the air and I mentioned that um that whenever I hear his voice I always think of two things, uh, the movie The Final Countdown and the documentary Secrets of the Titanic. And he said, uh, I was the first person who ever mentioned either of
1: those. (laughs) See, that's that's I mean, imagine, though, you're Martin Sheen and people are always asking you, like, hey, President Bartlett or what about Apocalypse Now? How how are your kids doing? Like and then you're the first person to ask him about, you know, a movie he probably hadn't thought about in decades and a narration project that probably lasted an afternoon. So I'm sure that was gratifying to him. That other aspects of his career uh, are, are memorable to, to to at least one person.
0: Yeah, he did actually say that he remembered doing the Titanic documentary, so I, I thought that was kind of cool. Uh, so that was how I got into it. And I, like I said, I think it was about '86 because it was you know that was that was when the uh, the Ballard expedition actually you know he he went down there and visited. So it was probably late '86 or so. Uh, how did you actually become hooked on the Titanic?
1: Well, I mean, I think there were a couple of things. I mean, my dad was interested in the story. He had um, a night to remember. There was another book uh, that that came out in the 1960s called The Maiden Voyage, uh, which was, you know, again, a very kind of like forensic look at the sinking. And Mm -hmm. then... You know, they found the ship in 1985. So I'm five years old, and you're just vaguely aware of what's going on in the news. And then both of my grandparents, both grandfathers, they were National Geographic subscribers. So they find the ship in September of 85, and then the December 85 issue of National Geographic is the first big photo spread from Argo, the camera sled. And mm-hmm. I, I must've looked at that until it fell apart. And then, um, the I actually
0: still have that, uh, here, here somewhere.
1: Yeah. It, it's it's that, really cool. And then there's the painting, the, the double, the two page painting of the ship sinking. And then with a look with what attempted to be kind of a forensic reconstruction to reconcile, uh, the pictures they got from the wreck and try to you know, piece together a narrative above and beyond what eyewitnesses were saying. And then um, I remember in June of 86 or July of 86, you would see these kind of ghostly images in the Chicago Tribune of, of what Woods Hole had released and what Alvin had taken pictures of on the decks of the Titanic. And I was sleeping over at my my grandparents' house, and I remember my grandpa like handing me the front section of the Chicago Tribune, just to say, "Look at this! You know, the submarine is down there taking pictures of the Titanic." And then after that, um, you had Secrets of the Titanic, which was on WTBS, uh, mm-hmm. the super station. And then I think then after that, and this was on Channel 9 in Chicago, there was this syndicated show with uh telly hosted by telly savalas from las vegas um where the french expedition had retrieved uh, it was actually
0: it was actually from france uh it yeah. was, wasn't Vegas. it was it, oh,
1: was, it was, was from paris, paris. And they were going to open up the safe, and it was like an Al Capone's vault thing. Like, is it a jewel-encrusted book? Is it this, that, or the other thing? And then, you know, two hours later, actually, the back rusted out, and there's nothing in there, but thank you for watching anyway.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was part of the uh, the late 80s craze of, hey, let's do everything live. And uh, yeah, it, it worked out about as well as Al Capone's vault.
1: Right. I mean, it wasn't nearly as embarrassing as Al Capone's vault, but it was kind of like, we're going to make you... But again, it was like... it. it the, it was the the show was you know this is the Nautilus the submarine this is the stuff they found this is the story you know and, and this is when they were just starting to retrieve artifacts from the ship and of course I'm seven so I devour that as well and then you know every couple of years new books came out um, there was another one uh, by Charles Pellegrino called uh, Her Name Titanic which was uh, a really you know kind of a well done narrative. Uh, combined with the the information that we had learned from the two uh, you know the two Robert Ballard expeditions, and then he was the one who I think kind of I don't know if he was the one who came up with it, but that was the first place I read it about the downblast theory, where part, a lot of the damage to the ship on the ocean floor was the result of the collision with the bottom and that you know a lot of lifeboat davits and elements of the superstructure were peeled off by the momentum of the water traveling behind it so i thought that was really interesting then the movie comes out and you know like anything in your life your interest in any subject kind of you know ebbs and flows depending on what's going on and um there's always new information now we have you know computer recreations of the titanic uh uh, I, I, I did, I downloaded the Britannic, uh, patroness of the bear. What, what is it called? Patroness in the Mediterranean. The, the, I, I, yeah, that, but my friend had a, a VR helmet. And, you know, you're walking the decks of the Britannic as it looked or as it would have looked if it was an ocean liner. And of course, it's like, this is incredible. Like, who could have imagined that this technology was possible? Of course, he kept walking into his basement wall like five or six times. But it was was amazing. Like, so as as life goes on and as this event, you know, gets further and further into the rearview mirror over a century ago, you're always learning new things. And that always kind of, you know reignites your interest in the story
0: yeah so i was just thinking about this uh, the other day and um you know uh like which survivor has the uh has the most interesting story and um you know there's uh, violet jessup who was actually on in in accidents on all three of like the the sister ships the olympic titanic and britannic which i always thought that was uh, really interesting um i i'm also fascinated by the fact that you know one of the lookouts survived and you know could actually tell his story, um, and also like wh- one of the firemen, uh, Frederick Barrett, who like actually saw the the collision from the inside, like saw the you know plates buckle and and water coming in from the inside. You know, somehow I, I'd love to retrace his steps. You know that night to actually figure out how he how he managed to survive because he was literally right in the middle of everything. But I think to me, my uh, favorite survivor is still Charles Lightoller just because, like he he had quite a, a life and like the Titanic was just part of it because he was involved in like four different shipwrecks. So he was like, you know, people say you don't want to go on a trip with Tom Hanks. He was he was like the the original right. Uh, you don't want to go on a a, a trip with. Um, he sank a U boat in world war one. He, uh, he ended up rescuing people in Dunkirk. Like there's a, there's a character in the movie Dunkirk. That's basically based off of him. Uh, so I, I think he still, still ranks as my, uh, the, the most interesting survivor of the Titanic.
1: He, I mean, he I all mean, cause he was the most, you know, the senior ranking officer, you know, most senior officer to survive the sinking. Um, he's interesting to me. I, I to the point where I actually read his, his memoirs, uh, mm-hmm. Titanic and other ships, and it's it's interesting he's very much a man of his time and he unfortunately i think also reflects the prejudices of a man of his time uh. and, um, you know, this this very you know uh, british superiority over all other european peoples and everyone else on earth and he still kind of had, you know believed that and this is in the 30s that he was a sailor very few people understand this life or what you do and that he was kind of above answering questions from the public. At least that's the, that's the the gist that I got from reading this book and Mm -hmm. you know, his, his attitude, it seemed like he felt that he was above, especially above answering questions from the American inquiry because there were, you know, there were two inquiries. There was the American inquiry with uh, Senator William Alden Smith from Michigan Um, And I think they kind of uh, the British sailors felt they they didn't have to answer to this guy. And then there was the British inquiry, which he kind of felt, you know, they had the right to question us. But still, nobody understands how things go go on the sea. Um, Lightoller, of course, eventually uh, acquits himself a lot better in World War One and especially at Dunkirk. But Titanic wasn't necessarily his his finest hour. Um, Especially with his adherence to the rules, um, you know, his interpretation of women and children first, which was extremely strict. And uh, a lot of people, you know, found themselves on the decks unnecessarily as a result.
0: Yeah. Standing on the decks, watching a, a boat that was, you know, a third full, you know, being lowered. You probably wouldn't think too highly of him at, at, at that point. Um, you know, you mentioned the American inquiry. I think that that's something that uh, at some point I would really like to do a deep dive, no pun intended, on because I'm fascinated by the fact that, you know, 9-11, uh, it took, you know, what, at least three, four years for there to, to be a Senate inquiry. And uh, even then, it ended up being, you know, pretty controversial. Uh, they, they put that thing together in three days
1: which is also remarkable because it took you know several days just to get to washington right Um, there's a very good book uh, called the other side of the night which is the titanic story as told from the perspective of the carpathia Mm -hmm. and it's also of, of and from the side of the californian too and it also talks about Senator Smith and where he came from, and he's this Republican senator from Michigan. Uh, He's very much in the Teddy Roosevelt trust-busting mold. Um, He had spent a lot of his career going after railroads uh, for safety violations, and because the Titanic, you know, the White Star Line, was under the umbrella of J.P. Morgan's International Mercantile Marine and American Trust, uh, he felt they had, you know, jurisdiction over the accident, and okay. so yeah, they they convened that inquiry right away in case everyone decided to sail back to England, and uh, yeah, that was yeah,
0: the- yeah. They, they, they actually held it in in New York, and basically, you know, they were standing at the end of the gangplank on the Carpathia, saying, you know, we're gonna gonna need you to testify, and you know, the fact that they were able to put all that together in in just a couple days. I mean, literally, I I don't think the, the Senate could do that in in 2021. No,
1: and then the British inquiry is interesting too because I think they got um, Shackleton, the South Pole explorer, yeah. to uh, talk about the uh, navigating around ice, which was a thing that I'm like oh wait a minute they got him because you know you read about Shackleton you know doing uh, in, in his South Pole and they made a movie about him you know his South Pole adventures and you're like oh they used him as part of the Titanic inquiry.
0: Yeah, that's that's pretty amazing. It would be like, uh, you know, well, I, I mean, it would be, it would probably be about the same thing as, you know, in the original uh, Challenger uh, review board. They had, you know, they had Neil Armstrong yeah. ra- around there. So. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, probably about the equivalent of of something like that. I
1: mean, I guess you have to get as many experts as 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 humanly possible uh, to to weigh in on this.
0: But and then, you know, to your point, Shackleton did know about ice. So that's yes, he the, did.
1: He he knew a thing or two about ice.
0: So this is the hundred and ninth anniversary. Uh, maybe uh, maybe we'll, we'll get together again for the the hundred and tenth anniversary.
1: I think I, I mean, well, why not do this every year? You're always learning new stuff, and and you know now I was a little disappointed in. Um, the most latest expedition, or at least what we learned from the most latest expedition, I mean, it was really interesting to see, you know, two or three minutes of, of the, the wreck last uh, summer of 2019 um, in, in HD. I mean, to have that perspective on the shipwreck was fascinating. Um, I was really disappointed by the, uh, uh, the National Geographic documentary that came out because of that, because I think it kind of fell down the, you know, maybe there's this is just like a, a trend in documentary production that you have to have some kind of storyline. Um, oh, they're trying to find something, or and I think they're trying to find a Benjamin Guggenheim's cabin for uh, one of his descendants. Like, okay, but can we see more of the ship? And they just kept showing the the same minutes <laughs> over and over again. Yeah,
0: um, well, yeah. I mean that that made a lot of news because uh, you know there was. Um, you know, they they discovered that that parts of the uh, you know the ship were weren't in very good shape, but considering the fact that it had been over a decade since anybody had been down there, I was actually kind of surprised at how good a shape the the ship is in. And you know, I I actually think it'll probably be around in its current condition for a while, although you know. I certainly don't know anything about how ships decay in in the in the deep sea.
1: Well, so. he, as some scientists have said, that you know, Titanic's bad luck extended all the way to where it sank because it's on the on the north end of the Gulf Stream current. Uh, you know, the water is a lot warmer down there than it would be at any other point in the Atlantic. So, if it sank at a similar depth somewhere else in the ocean, it probably would be a a lot. More well preserved uh, than it was, which is unfortunate. But I, I yeah. think one of the more fascinating things that came out in the most in the last year was that Titanic Archive website, where they took all of the wreck dive footage and kind of put it in one place for you to look at from different years. And the thing I love looking at is I don't know if it was one of the the Russian expeditions or one of the Cameron expeditions, where they went down um, mm-hmm. through the D deck. Uh, I don't know if they went down through the D-deck uh, entryway and went up, or if they went from the grand staircase down, but they sent the robot into one of the reception rooms. And, of course, the wood's all gone, but the uh, A-deck and B-deck and C-deck signs are still on the wall. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, is provides an entirely different perspective on the wreck than all the pictures you've seen before, because that implies habitation. That implies it was a place that was designed to transport people and that, you know, it's not just this ghostly rusted Hulk. Uh, This was a place where people were and sadly where many of them died. And, And it's that kind of, or, or you know signage for elevators or um, sending the robot inside the Turkish bath like that's the kind of stuff that's like wow this this was you you're it's amazing this is still here.
0: Yeah and I, and I think that um, you know based on what we've what we've seen, especially from the uh, the Cameron expeditions where they you know went pretty far into the ship, I think that if if you could somehow, light that up, I think it's probably like a lot more recognizable than people think, because, um, you know, you just can't see much down there. And, and I think that if you, if you were able to take, uh, you know, enough lights down there to, to light it up in, in, you know, a similar fashion to the way it would have been when it was actually, you know, functioning as a ship, I think uh, you'd actually be able to pick out a lot, a lot of uh, details that, that, you know, like like you said, especially after the first uh, Ballard expedition down there, I think it it kind of seemed like it was just this this big hunk of rust down there. And uh, after after Cameron actually explored inside it, we we found out there's actually a lot left inside there.
1: Well, they, especially when he goes inside cabins, and you can see, you know, a passenger who had their fan their cabin fan still plugged in uh, because the Titanic, a lot of passengers reported, was running really hot that night. Um, mm-hmm. And and that's why a lot of passengers had their portholes open because uh, it was just really hot and stuffy in there. And so this, this one passenger had their cabin fan plugged in uh, to get some air circulation and then left it that way when they left their cabin. Um, there was another cabin where... All the furniture was thrown around, but they still had a glass in the glass holder uh, because they put she, the, this passenger had some brandy before they left, and there was a little bit left, and they kept it weighed down, and it, so it didn't float away when their cabin flooded. Like that, mm-hmm. like those this little signs of habitation are absolutely fascinating.
0: It is. Well, uh, Rob, thanks so much for for telling your Titanic story. And I hope uh, you'll join me again uh, next year when we do a dramatic reading of the Senate transcripts.
1: I uh, that, That's great. I want to be the guy who asks, uh, I was it Lightoller, who asked you know, what icebergs are made out of?
0: <laughs> yeah. That is absolutely a question you would expect for a uh, to come up in a Senate inquiry. Well,
1: yeah, it's the Socratic method. You have to be very, very thorough. If
0: you think you can top two dorks chatting about the Titanic, shoot me an email at greateststoryeverpodcast at gmail.com.
1: Gabatron.